0: Good morning, Redeemer. If you will, please turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes 1, verse 1. We'll read our first passage in this series uh, through verse 11. Last week we started the series, which um, I, I described as, as being summarized uh, in this sentence. This world is full of frustration, so we should focus on fearing the lord and this morning we we come to the sobering introductory passage to this book on reality and if we're going to hear what the lord has for us we need his grace so let's pray together oh god you have promised that you will send out your word and it will not return to you without having accomplished all that you sent it to accomplish. And Lord, you always keep your promises. And so we pray that you would send out your word, cause it to expose things that we are believing that we should not believe and And also replace and exchange those things with the truth. Oh God, we pray that you would cause us to see the Lord Jesus in the words of Ecclesiastes. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Ecclesiastes 1, verse 1. The words of the preacher, the son of David king in jerusalem vanity of vanities says the preacher vanity of vanities all is vanity what does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun a generation goes and a generation comes but the earth remains forever The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits, the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. Beloved, this is the word of our God, and he is giving it to us, his people, this morning because he loves us. You cannot gain in this life Since all is vain under the sun. That is this sermon in a sentence. You cannot gain in this life since all is vain under the sun. This introduction passage gives us a preacher, a proposition, and a plight. First of all, we have in verse 1, the preacher, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Right away, we are brought into a world that is very distant from us. We we have, in, in our country, we have to have these reminders that our president should not be expected to be the theologian in chief. Not so for Israel. When God's people were a nation, then their leader had to be this combination of a royal preacher, or you could put it this way, a pastor king. He was not just defending and leading a nation among nations. He was uniquely leading the people on this earth who know God. Now, I, I the only way for me to have certainty to call this preacher Solomon would be if God told me to in the text, and that's not explicit here. But I, I I'm going to mostly refer to him. I intend to anyway as preacher throughout this series. I will from time to time, I'm sure, call him Solomon because I assume that's who it is, and that's. What my I'm assuming for three reasons. Number one, uh, the saints before us in majority understand that Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, but they have good reason to to believe that. The second reason I will assume this is Solomon is because of what happened to Solomon. Whenever he was given this request from the Lord, he asked for wisdom, and God gives him that. He's known as the one who is uniquely wise in the Old Testament. So he, number three, is the author of other wisdom books, the the book of Proverbs, the, the book, the Song of Solomon. He is uniquely the wise king in the Old Testament. And so he is giving us in the book of Ecclesiastes, whether this is Solomon or someone who's who's meaning to make us think of Solomon, he is giving us throughout this book real talk for real life. And because of that, even though there are plenty of preachers, plenty and and increasingly more and more preachers out there today who you should not listen to a word from, this is the king in Ecclesiastes, who is going to shepherd us, not only to the truth, but to the giver of truth. If you'll look in, a, in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, right at the end, this, this, this is said in verse 11, the words of the wise are like goads and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. This, this pastor king is going to give us words that will prod us like goads to follow this one shepherd. He will, he will give us the, uh, in our hearts, nails firmly fixed the truths that we need to believe from the one shepherd who is clearly God. This king is, in his words, is leading us to God himself. And yet he opens up this book that does that great task This wisest man alive gives us the bleakest conclusion. You cannot gain in this life since all is vain under the sun. We have the preacher, but secondly, we have his proposition in verse 2. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. We saw this. Last week that this word vanity that's repeated five times in this one verse, the first things that this preacher tells to us, he he will repeat that word not just five times here, but 38 times throughout the book. And we're going to define what vanity means at various points through this book in context, but we'll see that it it it, it, it means that all is short all in this world is fleeting. All in this world is elusive. If you try to hold on to it, if you seek for satisfaction from anything in this world, you will find it vain. All is, and we'll see this in our, in our passage in verses 4 and following, all is repetitive. It's vain. It just keeps going over and over. So vanity is translated in, in different places as vapor as empty, as false. Maybe the best translation for this word vanity is breath. This is an example in the Bible of onomatopoeia. That's when a term sounds like what it is. So we have a word called honk to describe what what horns do. Why did you honk at me? Because it sounds like what the horns do. Or why don't you silence the beep that I keep hearing from your phone? That's onomatopoeia. Well, the word vanity literally is (sighs) fell. it sounds like breath. And so the preacher is telling us all of life is like breath. As I put it last week, like breath in a frozen world, it rises repeatedly, it fades repeatedly. Like breath, it cannot be held, it cannot be kept, it cannot therefore satisfy, and all is Breath. All of your work in this life is breath. Don't you know that every pleasure in this world is breath? Even marriage, the best marriages are breath. Children are breath. Life is breath. And I want you to see, and this is really important for you to see, there is one qualification to this, verse 2, universal truth that all is vanity. There is one qualification, and it's an essential one. And it actually comes to us in the next verse, verse 3. At the very end, it says, under the sun. Another repeated phrase that just fits right alongside this world where everything is vain. There is this qualification 28 times under the sun. All is vanity under the sun. And as we talked about last week, that phrase under the sun is primarily referring to a perspective, but beloved, listen, that this is a primary perspective this is a default perspective that everyone has including believers believers even have to shake ourselves out of this we have to escape this perspective Under the sun, it is the perspective of people who do not look above the sun. In other words, it's a perspective of people who are thinking or acting or approaching their life without consideration for God or or they're doing things that are not for God. That's under the sun kind of actions they're 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 doing things and they're living not because of God. That is an under the sun kind of approach to life, and all is vain under the sun. If you have that kind of perspective, believer, you have to escape this yourself. If you have that sort of perspective, you will find the preacher's words are universally and absolutely true. It is all vain. Belief is the hidden passageway that gets us out of that perspective, out of that world. it's It's the only way above the sun is belief in God because under the sun is a reference to people who do not know God exists and treat him for who he really is. So this is super important in this book. If we're gonna read it faithfully, we need to understand that, that under the sun is kind of this trigger. It's kind of this password, you could say. I remember growing up um, Saturday mornings watching Pee Wee's um, Playhouse, I think, I think it was called, and, and every episode there was a word of the day and whenever that word was repeated, we were supposed to listen carefully and whenever that word was repeated, everyone went crazy. Well, this is kind of like that. Under the sun is a password to trigger the people of faith to understand what the preacher is saying. When you see that phrase right alongside these sobering and bleak propositions is to remind you and wake you up. What I'm talking about, the preacher says, is life without God. This is, this is absolutely true for the lost soul. So he's prompting us toward God. With all of these propositions that are bleak, you cannot gain in this life all is, since all is vain under the sun. We have the preacher, we have heard his proposition in verses 3 through 11, we have our plight. He's telling you and me what our plight is in this world. Now, maybe you like your preachers like you like your physical trainers. You know, you want to you want to find a preacher and mainly want to listen to a preacher who is someone who is able to maybe get more out of you than than you can get out of yourself, who, who believes in you and all of your potential, who's going to push you, yes to make you your best self, to live your best life. He will push you to the limit like a good physical trainer, but not crush you who will encourage you along the way and with phrases like no pain, no gain. Okay, well, if there's, there's no way to get gain except for through pain, then I'll fight through these last reps. Well, the people of Israel have a preacher. And I want you to imagine just how high the hopes would be if your preacher, your royal preacher, your pastor king happens to be the one man who is most filled with the wisdom of God. Imagine what kind of potential the people of God stand to gain if that is your leader. And he stands up as he gathers the people of Jerusalem behind this pulpit. And he gives his first point after that proposition. And here is the point since vain, all pain, no gain. You hear the difference? His message is not. If you spend the pain, you'll get gain, no pain, no gain. His message is since all the world is vain, after all the pain that you experience, you will have no gain. Since vain, all pain or the word he uses in verse three is toil. All of your life's work, you will have at the end of that nothing to show for it. See, verse two Begs this question that the preacher anticipates. And, and so he asks it in verse 3 and answers it in verses 4 through 11. He asks it, what does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? If this whole world is vanity, then what, what gain are we going to get? And the answer given in two stanzas of poetry In verses four through 11, what gain? After all the toil you toil, nothing. Look in verses four through seven, he starts to answer this question by saying, you will have no return on your toil, your difficult lifelong work, Because this is, here it is, a come and go world. The preacher is explaining there will be no gain after all your toil. He explains that by talking about the earth's rotation. You see that in verses 4 through 7? It's this rotating thing. It's this endlessly repeating circuit. Verse 5 talks about the sun's circuit rising Going down, getting in its place to rise again. Verse six is wind. It just, it goes around and around until it returns to the beginning of its circuit and then it just goes again. Verse seven, it, there's this stream that is endlessly repeating. It is going constantly toward the sea and yet the sea never seems to fill up. The stream just keeps on flowing, flowing, but not filling. What about us? This is is the preacher talking about our life. He's answering the question about what gain we will have after our life. Where are we in this poem? You have to go back to verse four. We're right there on the earth. And notice what lasts forever in verse four. The earth lasts forever. You and I, are just one of the generations. In other words, every, every other verse talks about how the sun, the wind, and the and the waters, they stay on this orb and keep on making their runs. But we are just one cycle. We just have one go around and another comes up. So I, I think you can put the preacher's word to the test. So I think maybe, maybe this summer you, you feel comfortable enough to go to Galveston. And I, I want to encourage you to, to go and, and, and situate one person on the shore and, and make sure they've got this really good kind of panoramic view of the Gulf of, of Mexico. And then, and then another, another friend uh, 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 comes, and, and, and I, I would recommend the one who has the, the largest hands, or, or even better, uh, give them a huge bucket. And I want that person, while the first one is watching the level of the gulf, I, I, I want that one person to start shoveling loads and loads of water, throwing it on the beach, And and then the first person just watches that level shrink until the whole gulf and eventually the Atlantic Ocean is totally empty. If you watch that level, no matter how much water you dig out of the gulf, the level never moves. And so on your drive back, you can be sure to rebuke the Brazos River for wasting its life constantly sending water to that gulf and never actually filling it and never really making a difference for it. Friends, understand the preacher's point. He is saying, your 40 hours every week Of work across 40 years of toil is going to make the exact same impact. (laughs) That should get you ready for Monday, won't it? I've got more of this stuff for you next Sunday. You understand this, don't you? You've seen this to be true in your own life. You understand the cycle of toil and no gain. I understand it. Every week, I have to produce a sermon. which Whatever this looks like to you, it's like a mountain to me. Every week, produce it. And then the sun rises and I'm at the bottom again and it is not clear that it is doing anything. Or maybe you're a mom and every day seems the same, a long to-do list that barely gets a dent in it because your day is filled with disciplining Children, everyone has an understanding of what the Mondays, the case of the Mondays feel like. Every assignment for every person is mundane. It just keeps on repeating over and over. And there's a sense in which every assignment, without exception, is disappointing depending on where your eyes are. Now, what, what, what does this cyclical nature of life have to do with his answer? Well, how does it answer? There is no gain, no matter how much toil, because it's cycling constantly your toil. Here's, here's what he's saying, especially in light of what verse four, the meaning there is. You are on this merry-go-round along with all the other elements, the sun, the wind, the water, but you're gonna be thrown off the merry-go-round quicker than they will be. Here it is, he's saying all your work, all you do to make a better life for yourself, to make your life filled with meaning, All of it, here's the point of comparing us to the earth that remains forever and what's on the earth that remains forever. All of it and all your work ultimately cannot stop you from dying and another generation just replacing you. You see, the pastor king, we will see throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, he is preaching in a Genesis 3 world. He gives us clues right from the beginning, verse 3. He says, what does Adam gain? What does man gain is is a reference to Adam and all of his children. Verse three also uses the word toil, which is which is a reference to the curse of Adam after he sinned. His work would change. It would become this. It would become this thing where he would work all day by the sweat of his brow and he would barely get he would not be fruitful. It's there in the irony in verse four, when the earth was made for the use of man, but the earth outlives man. It's there in verse two's repetition of Hevel, which is a form of the word "able," Who, because sin came into the world, was murdered by his own brother. In other words, this this world is crooked. It is cursed. The the wages of sin is is death. and And it goes to everyone. In other words, I want you to hear this and you'll hear this over and over. Vanity, the vanity of your experiences in life is preaching to you that God is faithful. He's faithful. He said, Adam, if you disobey me, You will die and the world will be cursed. It will become crooked and what it was not supposed to be. And so every time, friends, you experience a taste of this, this world is not what it should be. It is vain. You are hearing a sermon. God keeps his word. He still is keeping it because they did disobey and this world is crooked. But the second portion of the the poem comes in verses eight through 11. It's it's, it's part of the answer that nothing can be gained in this world. He says, you, yeah, I'm looking at you. You won't do anything new or memorable in your life. Yes, you're gonna toil all your life and there will be no gain because you won't do anything new or memorable. Do y'all know? John Tyler, y'all know him? Let me give you a hint. He's in this really exclusive club of people of which there are only 45. I saw his name this week under a list of the, the greatest presidents the United States, states ranked. And I just didn't believe it. I, who's John Tyler? You're telling me he's a president? I don't remember. So I had to go to one of my homeschooled kids and ask if that was true. And they confirmed it. Verse 8. After all the toil in your life, you will find nothing fulfilling. Your eyes won't be filled, no matter what you look for. All, your ears won't be filled, no matter all the great things you might hear. Such that it starts out by saying, man, Can't even utter it. It it is so depressing, the results of life, that we don't even have words for it. Verses 9 and 10, it says there is nothing new. You think something's new? It's been done before. Verse 11. After all the toil, there was no one who does anything will be remembered. If you don't know who John Tyler is, what makes you think anyone will know who you are. After they plant your body in the ground, it it will just take a few minutes for them to get to a house and it won't take long for them to be laughing while they're eating deviled eggs or something. You're gone. And their life goes on. And yet we are all so very busy trying to break the cycle. Maybe I can be the exception. Maybe I'm going to be the one who does something new. You know what you need to do is you need to reinvent yourself. You need to go out and have yourself an adventure. You need to change the world. Maybe your Facebook post will be exactly what is needed to change things in Minneapolis. I'll put this comment in this Facebook post and how I'm I'm ready to die to keep anyone from spray painting our monument on the square real talk for real life you will not achieve or accomplish anything that will outlast you and so here's a prediction that that can be proven very soon you will experience frustration your plans for something very soon will not come to pass. And all of the frustrations of your life. Here's the wisdom of the preacher there to be like this trigger, like this alarm to wake you up to vanity. So I, when I actually started kind of looking at Ecclesiastes about a year ago, I I was hearing from chapter one this conclusion, and, and, and then I was, I, I, one, one example in particular, I was driving uh, um, uh, to Walmart, and, and there was this car that, that took a, a shortcut, and I thought, I'll teach him. I'll, I'll just take the regular way and drive regular, and I'll beat him, and then he beat me, and I said, Vanity. And uh, I went to United, and uh, I picked the, the checkout line um, that was shortest, and I just kinda, I, I tried to measure up the, measure up the, 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 the person checking out, out and, and figure out who's the fastest, who's the nimblest, who's gonna know all the codes of my asparagus or whatever. And I got in that short line, and the long one that I skipped, uh, the people who came in after me beat me, and I just started saying, Vanity. All my plans—it's just vain. All, 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 all I try to do—it's—it uh, it, it wakes me up. This world just is vanity. And and let me—I I tell you that, and I think it'd be good for you to start doing that. Just start saying vanity as good reminders for you, because. The most dangerous thing perhaps in this world, what will keep your eyes under the sun? What will make you forget about God is when you do not accept the vanity of this world, when you try to fight against it, you're going to lose. And so let me encourage you to give your life not to what will not last, but to give your life to what will last. I want to encourage you to not wait like so many people do till their deathbed. And then they just start concentrating. Then they start focusing. You don't know if you've got a deathbed. Devote your life now to something that lasts. I've titled this sermon All Pain, No gain. Right out of verse 3. Because our pastor king, and in in, in this book, he's going to let joy peek in a little bit later, but not here. Not in this controlling intro. He wants to drive us from the beginning to this decision. Well, what is the point of all of this? Who can deliver me from this deadly and pointless merry-go-round? And there is an answer. But you have to Feel the pointlessness to even identify and recognize what is the answer, who it is that can break this cycle. It is only the one who can break the curse. You see, there is one exception to the rules of life under the sun. There is one son of David whose toil, here it is, listen, remember verses. 9 through 11, the point was, you will spend your life toiling and working and you will have no gain because you won't do anything, what, new? And you won't do anything remembered, beloved. Isn't that exactly what the New Testament says Jesus alone did? Something new and a work that is remembered to this day and will be forever. Jesus fixes the problem of vain, the problem of pain, the problem of no gain. He lived on earth, and yet he's the only one who did not for a moment live under the sun. He lived this unbroken life of regarding God, and even in his death, which which. Solomon tells us your death will be this this depressing end to your toil, proving that it didn't make any difference at all. Jesus's death is the opposite. Jesus's death is his work. It is what all of a life obeying God and keeping his commandments and fearing him led to. God promised way back in Genesis 3. I will curse this world of Adam And someone's going to come to take his punishment. Someone's going to come and bear the curse and in that way bring salvation. And Jesus came and had a sinless life. Not deserving death. And when he died anyway. He was taking all the curse and crookedness of this world so that he can make a new one. God raised Jesus from the dead because that's the wages of sin and he had no sin and so he seated him at the right hand of God where Jesus is right now, beloved, and he gained a crown by bearing that curse. He gained, he did gain a people and he's coming back and he's gonna claim his own and judge his enemies. Friends, I hope you are sobered If you are someone who is not living your life, focus upon, turning your eyes upon the one who is above the sun and out of this world. I want you to hear what that wise man said. Jesus said, what will you gain if you gain the whole world? The answer is nothing. Even if you were able to become a titan of industry, to fill your home with people you love, to, to try to fight against all this cycle, then you would die. And you could pr- present all of that, all your money, all your possessions, all your so-called happiness to God. And he will say it's not enough for your soul You will answer to me now and you will go to hell forever to pay forever for how you disregarded me. The only thing that can save your soul is my son. And you disregarded him and tried to make a name for yourself. So listen, all of you turn your eyes upon Jesus. And look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace, which we know when we turn from living for ourselves and receive forgiveness by trusting in Jesus alone. Let me give a few words in closing to those who are here who do believe in Jesus. I want you to hear this, the difference between us and the rest of the world is not just that we're, you know, not unaware of the judge. You know, that, 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 that's, that, that's the perspective of those whose lives are lived under the sun. They don't understand they're supposed to fear God and that he will judge them. That's not the only difference between us and them is that we're aware of the judge. Here's the difference. We have a Savior who took the judgment already so that what the world is waiting for, we will never receive. God has taken Jesus's blood as payment for all of our sins, past, present, and future. And there is no judgment for us. He's a savior. He saved us from vanity. Can man gain in this world? The answer is no. But here's a different question, can man gain if he follows Christ? The answer is yes. Such that if you will die to yourself, if you will no longer, like the people of chapter one in Ecclesiastes, pursue a name for yourself, but instead will will be fine with being forgotten and give yourself to serving Christ. Give yourself away. Then even when you suffer in this world, you will gain. 1 Corinthians 15 says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Here is the exception, the one exception to the Ecclesiastes world. As one man put it, just one life, it'll soon be past. Only what is done for Christ will last. He is making all things new in a world where there is nothing new. He is the exception. And friends, never forget, He will be remembered. Therefore, if we toil if our life's work is spent just devoting ourselves to making Christ known, we will be doing the work that God is committed to if we devote ourselves to building up the church, the people of Christ, to strengthening them, to encouraging them, to multiplying them, to comforting them. That is the work that Jesus, who never fails, is behind. We will be giving ourselves to a project that God himself has guaranteed success of. That means that there is not a moment that you are reading God's word that is vain. There is not a sermon that you're listening to that is done in vain, a prayer done in vain, a evangelism, sharing the gospel. I, I had to remem- remind myself this week, I need to lift my eyes to Jesus above this world because sometimes preaching feels like it's in vain. Sometimes Moms, I'm sure your instructing of your children, your discipline of your children feels like it's in vain. It often will feel like it, but beloved, this is what it means to be a believer. We are the ones who don't trust our feelings. We are the ones who trust our Savior. And he says this, that every work that is done for him, every work that is done because of him, every work that is done in the strength that he provides will last that God himself is taking note and will remember it. So that if we are in Christ, that merry-go-round that ends for us when the next generation comes, if you finish trusting in him, death is gain. The gain of All he earned for us. It is death that gives it to us. Apart from Christ, you cannot gain in this life since all is vain under the sun. Oh God, we pray that you would cause your word to bear fruit in our hearts, that we might turn our eyes to Jesus and the things of earth would grow strangely dim, and that we would devote our whole lives to what it will not be in vain. We ask this for the glory of our Savior. Amen.